Hello and welcome to the Fire Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Rhodes. On today's episode, we're going to talk about striking oil. And uh, this is more of just me sharing some things that have been on, on my heart. It's not necessarily a teaching. Um, there's no guest on this this episode. Um, but there's some things I feel like Holy Spirit wants to speak. And maybe stir it'll stir some things in your mind as well. Uh, and in your hearts and he can speak to you. So we're going to jump into that after a quick sponsor segment. Religion loves Jesus the teacher, is even okay with Jesus the prophet. Religion is not okay with Jesus the breaker of bondage, the transformer of hearts, the savior of nations. Because the real Jesus is the anointed one. He doesn't just have good teachings. He is the, the breaker of bondage. He will transform you. But you got to go after knowing him more. He's worth it. He's worth, he's worth your time. He's worth your life. And there's, there's nothing, this, this city, this nation, the nations of the world are not going to be transformed by a satisfied people. They're going to be transformed by lovesick warriors. Because if he's for us, who can be against us? If the king of the universe and all of his goodness, all of his backing, if all of heaven is for you and standing behind you, supporting you, how, how could anything succeed against you? How could you fail? We could, we could change the world. That's not just a fun phrase. If you'll give your life to this thing, to the real thing, if you'll find the real Jesus, the one who burns with eyes of fire, if you'll get a real hunger in your belly, there is nothing that can stop you. It costs much, but it's worth the cost. It costs everything. This is the Fire Podcast. Well, let's jump right into this. So I want to give you some context before I do. Um, one, for those who know me, uh, this is actually really uncomfortable for me. I'm much better. I enjoy conversation. I enjoy having somebody else to pass ideas back and forth with. I feel like I'm at my best that way. Uh, just sitting, talking to uh, a camera is not my thing. Uh, but there's... I, I've, I've found that in the language of the Spirit, like the way that the Holy Spirit talks, a lot of times you'll start to notice patterns. You'll notice things start to come up. So we had some friends over, and uh, shout out to uh, Steph and Mish. Uh, so they came over and they shared about a, uh, a teaching or, or a sermon that they had listened to, which I actually haven't even gotten to listen to yet. Um, but it was about the ten virgins, and they talked about... Um, about the oil and about uh, an interpretation of that section of scripture being about churches that had oil and churches that didn't have oil since lampstands and revelation represent churches. And these were the virgins that had lamps uh, and there were, you know, some prepared with oil. And, and so when, you know, it was the coming of the bridegroom time, the time came, they had oil for the journey. Uh, and then there were some that did not have oil and they looked to the ones that did and in this interpretation, they looked to the churches that did uh, for oil, but they were told you need to go purchase and you need to go buy your own. You need to go pay, pay the cost for oil. Um, and that really stirred me because that, that lines up with a lot of things that have been on, on my heart lately. Um, some of you have seen this. Some of you may not have. Um, fire, fire, it's, um, it's in its various forms, has been around since... 
the end of 2010. It started out as uh, you know just kind of a uh, a gathering of people together to worship at at uh, the Ohio State University at the prayer house there and and grew and and we just saw God do amazing things and you know and, and then times it shrank and we went through different seasons and good times and bad times and um, it's been a journey it's been about 12 years and uh, in, in, in that time I've learned a lot um, and in that time God's also spoken a lot about what we would be doing ultimately with this ministry and which it is it is a ministry and it's something that God gave us and we're trying to do our best continually to steward it and so one of the things that's happening right now is um, we have been in like a prophetic swirl um, which <laughs> what I mean by that uh, is you get there's these times in life where it just feels like God just begins to do everything and everything starts to fall into place and everything has meaning and everything uh, just lines up. And it's like just such a God thing that you couldn't have done it on your own. And that's that's really where we're at is God began to speak to us about uh, it being time to start, time to start our, uh, to start a church here in Seattle, which is a, you know part of the reason we even moved out here four years ago. And um and we've we've been at the pursuit under Pastor Pastor Russell Johnson, who's a great friend of mine, and he's backing us in this. And um, you know, but we felt like it's time now. And uh, in seeking God out in that, um, I took some time to just get away with the Lord and and you know fast and pray. And because planting a church isn't my idea, you know, it's not actually what I want to do. Um, I there's lots of things I'd rather do. Um, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not wired as even a pastor. And so like I had to work through some of that kind of stuff and like, uh, do, do I have to fit into the boxes I've seen in order to do this? And, and what is church? And a lot of things you guys have heard me talk about in this podcast, like I've been processing these, this, these things with people for, uh, you know, five, six, seven years of just questioning things and, and walking through it. And what does the Bible say? And if you had, uh, I heard Francis Chan say this once, but it's so true. If you only had the Bible, you had no Christian context at all. You read the Bible and then developed a church. It wouldn't look anything like what we have now. Um, it's not necessarily, that doesn't necessarily mean what we have now is wrong. Uh, it's just different. And then, so then we have to question like, why is it different? So anyways, I'm kind of rambling, but, um, long story short, there's been a lot of thought and prayer and processing that's gone into this. But one of the things, um, one of the things I really said to God was, um, man, I feel like I'm going to cry. I said, God, I won't lose my marriage or my kids to ministry. I just, I won't sacrifice my family on the, the altar of ministry. I won't sacrifice ministry on the altar of family because family very much becomes an idol to people as well. I said, but I want them to come with me and I want them to be a part of this and I want kingdom. And I, 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 you know, I was being vulnerable with God. I just said, I know, I know this is your heart too. Um, but I want you to know I'm on the same page and I want the real thing. And if it doesn't transform my family, I can't preach it. If it isn't impacting my family, if it isn't impacting my kids, if they're not getting filled, this isn't worth it. You know, like, how can I preach something that doesn't even work for my own kids, my own family? 
and I've just seen God meet us there so much. And I, there's, I could tell so many stories of just what's happening with my daughter and, um, just her love for God and, um, interactions with God and the way Holy Spirit is in her life at three years old. And I'm thankful. Um, and you know, as I, I also began to lean into this, I'm like, God, I don't want to get caught up in a mission and lose you. I don't want to get so focused on doing church that I become the very thing that I'm, I've warned others about, or I've been concerned about the, the lack of hunger and the lack of, um, the, the, the lack of honor and value for the, the person of Holy Spirit and his presence. And when he shows up, um, and the, the regimented way that we do services, uh, and we give him a period of time as if he's like, he's just got his little part in the show, uh, which is normally during transition at a lot of churches, um, or at the very end of the message, it's like, okay, now we allow Holy Spirit you know, out of his box to come do what he does. Um, and he loves people enough and wants to be with us enough that he's willing to do that. Uh, and, and he'll heal people and touch people and change people's lives. Uh, even then, even in those restrictions. Um, but I don't want that. And so I just found this like pull. I, you know, in, in that time I read why revival Terry's by Leonard Ravenhill um, which I recommend to everyone, uh, to read that. And I've been listening to Raven Hill and stuff, which will mess you up. If you know, you know, and I've been just pulled in this place of, of prayer and, and, uh, a pursuit of intimacy and just truly knowing God in a, in a way that if you know me, my, my message has been forever has been hunger and, and intimacy with God and going after more and knowing Holy Spirit like that. That's been my message. But I feel like it's just gone even deeper. There's a greater depth to it now than there ever has been. Not that I didn't have intimacy before, but it's just, it's a different depth. Um, and I have felt this concern. Um, I felt a lot of concern for the church. Uh, not only the one we're doing, but, you know, the church in America, the church around the world. Um, and I could talk a long time about that. Uh, and I won't on here, but... I, I strongly believe, uh, we need, we need oil. We need intimacy, uh, for the, for where we're headed and, and, and the things that are coming. Um, I don't think I'm not a doom and gloom person or anything like that. And I'm not here to tell you this, you know, disasters are coming and, or, you know, whatever. Um, but I believe the church is about we're about to see the strength and the beauty of the bride in a way we never have before but what will separate the bride from the religious is oil and it's intimacy and it's and it's not just playing church and um feeling his presence on sundays but it's actually engaging with him in 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 everything uh seven days a week and and just walking with him and and knowing him and pursuing knowing his heart and and who he is um, yeah, <laughs> so we're forming a church in Seattle. Uh, we start October 9th and, uh, which is just crazy. And in that process, just, you know, part of the whirlwind is, um, just being like, God, we don't have a place. We don't have anything. And God did something pretty miraculous. Um, we're, we have a, 
we have a building we have uh, down in downtown the heart of downtown um, we've been given it for free uh, it's being supplied to a couple people in our community that we've already been doing worship and stuff with for over a year and just built friendship with and they've been uh, great um, but it was given to them and by the city uh, and uh, you know provided in some some sort of program and stuff that uh, they're doing for artists and and they've opened it up to us which is awesome and uh that was like that was like a big answer to prayer because we're like oh we don't even know where to do this like we're gonna do stuff in houses as well but like we need this place that we can bring people together because we feel like um not that bigger is necessarily more powerful or better but for what we god had shown us we felt like it was important to have house churches but then to bring them to together for a corporate gathering which you guys if you listen to the podcast regularly you've heard me talk about some of that and so we're going after that here in seattle um and i think it's going to be uh we're, we're going to learn a lot there's going to be mistakes there's going to be all that stuff but i'm excited because i really believe god's about to do something really powerful and just even getting to worship in the venue so far um just with a few people and the way god's showing up i'm like something profound is happening in the in the Pacific Northwest. You know, it's not just us. I, we're seeing it with some of the other churches here, and the bravery of of uh, the believers here. There's a hunger here. Uh, you know, Jesus Image and Heidi Baker, Randy Clark, um, Michael Kulianos. They were all all just here for a conference called the Finding. And I know Heidi said, "I haven't seen hunger or been in a room with hunger like that in a long time." I know Michael. You know, and his team, and you know the Jesus were uh, Jesus image worship team and stuff. They're just like, we haven't felt hunger like that in a long time. They're impacted by the hunger. Um, God is doing something significant. I know everyone always says, you know, my city, God's moving to my city and you know, God show us it's like the key to revival for the whole nation and all this stuff. And like, awesome. Believe that go after that. Um, I don't know if this is the key, uh, to all of America, but I know that God is moving in one of the most unlikely places and I, I don't think it's just in, in Seattle. I think it's the West Coast uh, that's happening, um, maybe even everywhere. I don't know. I don't, ha- <clears throat> I don't have the same view I, I used to have um, or purview into all, you know, the rest of the country. Anyways, so in, in this, I was like, I just had this stirring to get on and just share this with you guys. Uh, and I had this saved. I was going, going through my notes and I saw this. I had seen like a Facebook post and I had saved it and I want to read this to you because I think it really speaks to like what we're talking about. Um, so it's called lover or prostitute. You guys might've read this, but it's a, the subtitle is the question that changed my life by David riser. I have no idea who that is. I, this isn't me promoting him, but this is powerful. Um, Okay, so I'm just going to read this to you. A number of years ago, I had the privilege of teaching at a school of ministry. My students were hungry for God, and I was constantly searching for ways to challenge them to fall more in love with Jesus and to become voices for revival in the church. I came across a quote attributed most often to Reverend Sam Pascoe. It is a short version of the history of Christianity, and it goes like this. Christianity started in Palestine as a fellowship. It moved to Greece and became a philosophy. It moved to Italy and became an institution. It moved to Europe and became a culture. It came to America and became an enterprise. Some of the students were only 18 or 19 years old, and I wanted them to understand and appreciate 
the uh, the importance of the last line. So I clarified by adding an enterprise. That's a business. So it came to America and became a business. After a few moments, Martha, the youngest student in the class, raised her hand. I could not imagine what her question might be. I thought this little vignette uh, was self-explanatory and that I had performed it brilliantly. Nevertheless, I acknowledged Martha's raised hand. Yes, Martha? She asked such a simple question. A business? But isn't this supposed to be a body? I could not envision where this line of questioning was going, and the only response I could think of was yes. She continued, But when a body becomes a business, isn't that a prostitute? The room went dead silent. For several seconds, no one moved or spoke. We were stunned, afraid to make a sound because the presence of God had flooded into the room. And we knew we were on holy ground. God had taken over the class. Martha's question changed my life. For six months, I thought about her question at least once every day. When a body becomes a business, isn't that a prostitute? There's only one answer to her question. The answer is yes. The American church, tragically, is heavily populated by people who do not love God. How can we love him? We don't even know him. And I mean really know him. I stand by my statement that most American Christians do not know God, much less love him. The root of this condition originates in how we came to God. Most of us came to him because of what we were told he would do for us. We were promised that he would bless us in, in life and take us to heaven after death. We married him for his money, and we don't care if he lives or dies as long as we can get his stuff. We have made the kingdom of God into a business, merchandising his anointing. This should not be. We are commanded to love God, and we're called to be the bride of Christ. That's pretty intimate stuff. We are supposed to be his lovers. How can we love someone we don't even know? And even if we do know someone, is that a guarantee that we truly love them? Are we lovers or prostitutes? I was pondering Martha's question again one day and considered the question, what's the difference between a lover and a prostitute? I realized that both do many of the same things, but a lover does what she does because she loves. A prostitute pretends to love, but only as long as you pay. Then I asked the question, what would happen if God stopped paying me? For the next several months, I allowed God to search me to uncover my motives for loving and serving him. Was I tr really a true lover of God? What would happen if he stopped blessing me? What if he never did another thing for me? Would I still love him? Please understand, I believe in the promises and blessings of God. The issue here is not whether God blesses his children. The issue is the condition of my heart. Why do I serve him? Are his blessings in my life the gifts of a loving father, or are they the a wage that I have earned or a bribe payment to love him? Do I love God without any conditions? It took several months to work through these questions. 
even now, I wonder if my desire to love God is always matched by my attitude and behavior. I still catch myself being disappointed with God and angry that he has not met some perceived need in my life. I suspect this is something which is never fully resolved, but I want more than anything else to be a true lover of God. So what is it going to be? Which are we? Lover or prostitute? Man, I hope you guys feel how how powerful that is. And I think it's a good question. You know, I had, there was a point in my life, I kind of had some similar questions and, and was just like, you know, I don't know if, if God never spoke to, you know, spoke some life changing encouragement to me again, or provided for me or healed another person in front of my eyes or under my hands, like, would I still love him? Would I still pursue him? And that really gets to the heart of the matter. Like, are we worshiping to get something? Are we praying to just to get something like you can definitely pray uh, with a purpose of, of grabbing a hold of something or receiving something that's, but is that the bulk of my prayers? It are, are my prayers. I mean, any relationship you have that your conversations are always around the other person needing something from you. We've all had those friendships those relationships. And those are the people you begin to avoid. They're the people you don't actually, you don't actually trust. And a lot of times, the second you cut them off, they go somewhere else. Are we that way with God? And I I began to question that for my myself years ago. And actually, like he said in this, it comes up every so often. It's just like, God, if you don't do all these things that I'm expecting of you, do I still love you? Do I still just want to sit with you and hear you and and know you deeply? And I hope, uh, I hope, uh, I want to say the answer is yes. (laughs) I hope he would agree with me on that. Um, But he's, he's worth, he, he's worth loving just for him. And he'll do all the other things because he's good. Um. So with the, the the line of thinking with churches, you know, it's it's kind of interesting because when you when you go to plant a church, when you go when you're doing this sort of thing, and there's a whole story I'll have to share with you guys at some point, just explaining what happened and how we're at this point, um, and the dreams and the words and the just stuff God's made happen that's been incredible. Um, but when you start to look into this and you have conversations and luckily I have some very, you know, I have some great people around me, like the, the, the people that I have to seek counsel in and, and glean from and everything in, in the church playing process and to have like as a support and accountability and those sorts of things. Like my wife and I are so blessed, um, with the, the people who are around us and many of them, um, you know, I've been pulling on weekly and <laughs> just like asking questions and stuff. The scary thing is to start to to Google, um, to start to listen to church playing trainings, to to see and hear how a lot of these things are done and the focus of these churches. And, um, and I'm not talking about any particular church, but like the, the methods, I'm attacking the methods right now, um, you know, because a lot of people use the methods but their hearts are really in a good place. 
Um, but with the wrong method, you end up in the wrong place. You, you end up in the wrong destination is probably a better way of saying it. The destination you wanted in your pure motives gets derailed by a method that takes you somewhere else. And I've just been really concerned. And that's just with churches. But the thing is, we do this in our lives all the time. And, you know, this, I want to talk about oil. And, you know, I think about like in the, in the Bible, what is oil? And I don't have a whole study with a whole list of scriptures to read you and stuff right now. Um, but you, you, um, you see Samuel anoints King David with oil, uh, oil over and over again is used for anointing. Um, and so, uh, it's used for anointing. It's used for lamps in the Bible, um, and, and, and keeping lamps, uh, burning. Um, and then you see it used to pour over the head of Jesus or pour on his feet. Um, both women who do that, who recognized something that the men of their time were not recognizing. And you've heard it said, like, they're the only ones who walked away smelling like Jesus. Um, and, and then there's other things like with the, the, the widow and Elijah and, and the, basically gives her an oil multiplication business, but oil was used to make bread. Um, so there's so many things, but I just think like, just to speak to one of them, is it possible that, you know, the, the, uh, the Bible says that his word is a lamp under our feet and a light under our path, a lamp under our feet and a light under our path. So the lamps under our feet uh, unto uh, our feet. Uh, so it's, it's lighting to our feet. Um, well, lamps take oil and the, the light allows you to see the next step. Well, I wonder if a lot of the reason we're confused and we don't know the next thing to do is because we don't have oil. We don't have intimacy with God. So we don't have the oil to sustain the lamp to even be able to see when we read the word of God. If, if we're not reading the word of God with, you know, the, one of the things the oil represents also is the Holy Spirit. And so if, if we don't have if we don't have the oil, if we're not in relationship with Holy Spirit, if we're not intimate with him, even when we read scripture, even when we, even the prophetic, yeah, all of it, like the word of God won't light our path because the lamp needs oil. Like it, it works by reading scripture. Um, it, it, I, Years ago, when when uh, when we had Fire Columbus going, this was like 2018. There was a phrase that God gave me, and I remember I would I would share this a lot when preaching. But uh, it's just like when you go to those uh you know you go to an Italian restaurant, and they give you like the baguette, and they'll put some oil with some oregano and different seasonings and stuff, and you like dip the bread in oil. And I'm just so convinced that the way to read scripture, and I've like fallen in love with scripture. My wife can attest to this, like. Um, it's just the last six months of my life, especially scripture has just like exploded, uh, in me and just like the love for it in a way I've been praying for, for years. Um, but it has to be dipped in oil. You know, you have to, that the bread, the bread of life, the, you know, um, oh, Jesus is the bread of life, but like the, the bread, uh, we're told to eat the scroll. And so you take the scroll and you dip it. Uh, like the bread and the oil. Um, 
you know, it's, it's, it's life to us. We live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And we want that dipped in oil, we want that dipped in intimacy. I, I want to receive even his words, even the things he's speaking to me. I want to receive them in intimacy. I don't want to receive them as a far off, uh, you know, a far off acquaintance. Um, I want to receive them in a place of intimacy and, um, and, and let them be nourishing and life to me. Uh, oils is also for healing. You know, you see that with, um, you know, if somebody's sick and James says, bring them before the elders and anoint them with oil. You also see it with like uh, in Esther and there's different places that oil is used when we, Jesus says, when you fast, you know, put oil on your face. Um, so it's as healing, refreshment, different things. So I want I wanted, I do want to talk about, I'm just kind of just sharing off the, off the cuff and out of my, my heart right now. So hopefully you guys are getting something out of this, but how do we strike oil? That's the question, right? Like we need oil. Uh, we desperately need oil. My, our car, uh, we have an older vehicle and it burns oil pretty, pretty fast. And, uh, to the point, like this actually started to be assigned to me and, uh, started started to teach me some of this stuff actually is our car we'd get an oil change and within like a month uh we'd need another oil change and you know we go to a place that they basically do free top-offs in between your oil changes and so we'd go to do a top-off and it would literally be empty and our car would start making noise and stuff but they would be empty and it was like not long enough like i used to work in the auto industry and stuff i know a decent amount of about vehicles and things so um that wasn't the amount of time for it to be empty. And I would like check with the dipstick and like think it, something was, I'm like, why is this not registering anything? Like the car's still running and everything, but like, how is it not seized up? Like it's, there's gotta be oil. Like, there's it, the way it's running. It's gotta be, uh, but then there would be nothing. And they would tell me each time they're like, it, it, you, you're like completely out of oil, but it's not leaking oil. So it's like burning oil. And, um, I just realized like different seasons of life, you, you even burn oil in a different rate. And, and for me, like we're in a season where our capacity is having to grow, where there's a lot more demand on my life because I'm working. I do work a full-time job. I'm in the tech industry. I, uh, I have a family and I now have three kids and I am very adamant about getting time with each of my kids um, individually and together and, and making sure that I'm sitting in my office as a father, loving them, but also giving them identity, giving them, uh, you know, correction in a healthy way and, and just being involved, being involved. And I, I have a whole teaching on that I'll do at some point on here um, about what children need from a father but um you know i have that i'm also a husband uh you know and and that isn't something you can get caught up in the mi mission and lose your lose your relationship with your spouse i mean say law you know we're talking about this with god like it's so easy to do that with the church to be doing so many good things and not realize that jesus stopped back you know back a ways and is talking to somebody and we're on mission doing things for god but we forgot to do it with him uh for him but not with him and so i don't want that with my wife i don't want us to just be doing so much that we actually like lose each other in the process 
And, and now we're like, we're doing this church. And so we're burning like the intimacy that we have, the oil that we have and, uh, to be sustained and to live off of, uh, it's burning quick. And if we're not staying in that place of continually getting rejuvenated, because these are longer days, my kids are up early, but then I'm working into the night and then getting up early again and working into the night and meeting with people and praying with people and trying to have a prayer life and then taking time to fast and, you know, like all these kinds of things. And we're like, we we're burning oil. And so we actually, just like that car is burning more oil than usual. And because we weren't getting oil changes at a higher rate than what is normal, um, if, and we weren't consistently making sure that we had oil week to week, um, we were almost, almost ruined our car. And so in the same way, like I've just realized that's where I'm at. Higher capacity means I actually need time. You know, you may feel like you have less time when you're at higher capacity and you're doing more. Um, and people love the doing more and they like, it feels, it feels like it validates you and all this stuff. And like, that's, it's, it's for the birds. Honestly, I want to accomplish more for God, but I don't want to do it without him. Uh, and I'm not out here to impress anybody with how much I'm doing, but, um, I may, I may feel like I have less time, but that actually means I need to put more time into oil because actually oil makes things flow and move easier. Oil is a lubricant, you know, and that's, I mean, that's why it's in cars. Um, and your life will flow easier when you're flowing out of a place of oil. My parenting, my, um, my being a husband, my work, the church, all this stuff, this podcast, it flows easier when I'm flowing out of oil. And so that's what I want. Three types of oil that we see in the Bible. Um, I'll make a point out of this. Um, and this is almost over. Um, uh, or it could be lying. I don't know. Well, I'm just talking from <laughs> off the cuff. So we'll see. Um, three types of oil, though, uh, that I want to talk about. There's oil of your calling, which is the anointing, you know, King David being anointed king. There's the oil of crushing. And there's the oil of intimacy. So I want to talk about these um, for a reason. So, um, the oil of calling is you're called to do something. There is an anointing. You've been anointed for something, for some sort of role, for some sort of, uh, purpose. And it's important to discover what that is. You will feel actually, you'll feel close to God when you're doing that thing. Um, and that's important. Uh, but that's not to be mistaken as intimacy. It's, it's fulfilling to an extent, uh, but it is not intimacy with him. So you can do the things that God's called you to do. And in feeling, in feeling yourself be close to the person you're called to be, that's the most Christ-like you are. Therefore you feel like you're with Christ and it can be very deceptive. Um, to where you can do the things of God and you can even live out of that oil for a while. Um, and this is where we see lots of ministers and things have major downfalls or burnout or all these things because they're living out of their anointing. You know, there's an empowerment that comes with the anointing that, you know, if it's pastoring or being an evangelist, a missionary, uh, whatever it might be, prophecy, healing, you know, like there's, there's something on that. Uh, on you and um, 
could be for business. It could be forever, you know, and just take that, take business. Um, cause not everyone on here is fivefold, but business is probably a little bit more relatable with some of my listeners. So say, say you're, you're in business, you have an anointing for business. So when you do business, you feel alive, you feel empowered, you feel re- rejuvenated. The problem is that can, especially if that's your day-to-day life, you can feel like that's sustaining you, but really it's like my car where my car felt like it was fine, but it was burning oil and we didn't even realize it and it needed filled up. Um, and so a lot of times that's what happens is people, because they're doing the thing they're called to do, they feel near God because they feel the most like the Christ-like version of themselves. And so they feel like that is nearness and it's deceptive. Crushing. So the oil that comes from crushing. So this one is kind of interesting. So there's this, they would take olives and they would take, they would have this round, like almost like a basin kind of thing. They'd put the olives in the basin and they'd have this giant, I think it's called a millstone, just like what Jesus referenced. It's a giant stone, um, probably like, you know, three, four feet high or in diameter. And it would roll, it'd be led around by like a donkey or or people or something with a big stick or not a big stick, but like a, a pole. And they would roll this heavy millstone over top of the olives and out of the flesh of the olive would come oil. And that would be olive oil. And so this is, this is one I'd like to get into it more at another time, but many people do not lean in when they're in this kind of a season, there are seasons of life where God puts you in a place of crushing. And so some of you, I'll speak to this because some of you might be in this right now, a place of crushing looks like, um, God is beginning to do things in your life that are causing you to need to go low. They're, they're causing your flesh to be crushed. I'm not talking about God putting sickness on you. I'm talking about things like, um, you're, you're actually needing the fruit of the spirit. People like from all angles, people are bad mouthing you. People are, I'll, I'll give you an example. So God started speaking to me. There's been lots of these I could talk about, but there was one season in particular, God started speaking to me about, um, crushing and said, you know, God's, he's just letting me know, like, I'm going to begin a crushing process in your life. And I'm like, cool. You know, like, what do I do with that? And, out of the woodwork, a bunch of different people started coming, accusing me of different things and saying they were hurt by me and all these, all these things. And it was one of the most painful seasons of my life. Um, and I had a prophet call me the day before it all broke out and said, you're, you're about to go, uh, you're, I forget exactly how he said, but basically I was going to be accused and God wanted me to go low. And in the end, he would reveal what truth is and um, to repent for anything that I did. Um, but that the stuff that wasn't wasn't true, he would he would back me up in the end. And I didn't need to defend myself. And it's kind of. Um, yeah, it's like the Exodus was at fourteen fourteen, I believe um, I'm the God who fights for you and you have only to be still. And so I went in, you know, then it broke out the next day. And I had this, I had this decision to make, and this has happened to me over and over again in my life where you can either fight to be right 
and to be offended. You know, you can, you can fight for your right to be offended, to be, um, to be heard, to protect your image, all these things. Um, or you can, not that, not that you can't ever refute anything. Like there, there were blatant lies. Um, and just being able to say, no, like that's a lie that that's not true. Um, you know, and some of them were misunderstandings. Um, majority were not true. Uh, but there were some things that were like, you know, how I, uh, how I spoke to somebody at one point, you know, um, I said something and there's a better way to say it, you know, and like things like that. And there, it hurt them because that, and it was just like, um, different things like that. And then there were some other people that there were hidden motives or some, you know, stuff that got revealed later, just like God promised, um, and, and vindicated me. But in that going low and just allowing God, like, this, this is, feels like it's killing my, my flesh, the flesh side of me. Like I want everything in me wants to defend myself. Everything in me wants to fight. I'm a fighter. I'm not, I'm not somebody who gives up. Um, I'm not somebody who just takes crap from people and God just said, go low. And I just like, I, I had to choose humility and uh, I could have fought and I don't think I would have been crushed the way I was. Um, but I also wouldn't have gotten the oil I got because in that crushing, the way the way I like to describe this is the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And so he's the oil like it's not your oil. It's him. And he desperately wants to to be flowing out of you but we have a lot of flesh, some more than others. I have a lot of flesh I have to deal with. And in the crushing, just like the olive, the flesh of the olive, in the crushing, the oil comes out. And meeting people who have oil from crushing, it makes, it makes me trust them. When I, can, when I can feel that on somebody, that they have oil from crushing, um, I trust them and I know that they've, they've gone low. Most people don't allow the crushing to happen. When that kind of thing happens, they just kind of hang on and try to pray their way out of it. And God, why is this happening? And I need another perfect word to encourage me. And this needs to end. And they try to avoid what God's actually trying to do is, which is let your flesh die. Let that side of you that always seems to be resurrected. um, Let that side of you die so that he can flow through you let holy spirit come through you and that is another profound oil so we've talked about the the oil of calling the oil of crushing and i'll tell you this for those of you who are in that crushing season reward is on the other side of that always you will always see the result if you if you actually go through the crushing you go low you allow Holy Spirit to, to be with you and navigate that um, and allow your flesh to die and him to deal with your offense and all the other things, all the you, you lay aside your rights so that you can be crushed and he can come through you. Um, I've just seen God move in power through my life, especially in prayer. And when I lay hands on people, it's come from that kind of crushing. Um, another one is the last one is intimacy. And so, um, the, the oil of intimacy is, you know, one of the pictures is the, the alabaster box or the, um, 
you know, pouring out the oil on Jesus's feet. There's this idea that we take what's, what's given to us. Um, and intimacy can look, can, uh, no, I won't go there, but yeah. So we're pouring out what we have and there's something about, I actually wrote this in my phone a long time ago. Um, the oil of heaven is drawn to the oil that comes from the crushing. There's something about the people who can go the deepest in in the intimate place with God are the people who have allowed the crushing to happen and their flesh. It's almost like, um, it's almost like in dealing with the flesh, we can go deeper into the Holy of Holies. And if you think about that, it's almost like inside out of who we are because we are now the temple of the Holy spirit. We are the answer. I love this. We're the answer to the Davidic cry of one thing I have desired of the Lord. One thing I seek and that's that I can dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The answer to that, David was recognizing and, and picking up on something prophetically, even though he didn't really have language for it. But he said, I want to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And then you fast forward to the New Testament, Acts 1, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You became the temple of the Holy Spirit. So you are the house of the Lord. And he didn't kick your spirit out. Your spirit's in here too. So within you, your spirit is residing in the house of the Lord in his presence forever. And that's so beautiful. And so, um, but it's, it's almost like as our flesh gets removed, the Holy of Holies comes forward. The, that, that deep, that deep intimacy. Uh, it's almost like the veil of our flesh is torn so that that can come forward and we can enter into that place with him. Um, it's getting a little mystical, but, Hopefully that makes sense. Uh, I'm just kind of, like I said, going off the cuff here, but that's, that's something. And the thing that I've recognized is the oil of heaven. There's something about pouring out the oil that's come from crushing the oil that's come from going through those hard seasons, the oil that's come from when nothing seems to line up, when you don't accuse God, you know, when you don't understand, when things don't go the way you want, um, just like, uh, what riser david riser was talking about in the in the quote i read um do we do we want him for for him or do we want him for what he does and so even when he doesn't do the things we want when we take that we take that oil from the crushing from our flesh from from uh our fence all those things those things have been laid down and we allowed the the true oil to come out from it in us we take that oil and we pour it back on him. And there's something about that, the oil of heaven, the oil that like brings even a higher level of power. Like that's the thing is like people pursue the power, pursue God for his power. But the truth is, if you just fall in love with him, that the power comes, the the healing comes, the the prophetic, like all the things that we want that we end up pursuing the the and and you'll even get some if you you pursue that way but the if you want the real thing get him because he'll do the rest like he'll he'll he gives you access to himself um into all he has and it's it's in that you pour out that oil on him 
and then he pours his oil on you and you start to smell like Jesus. And I, I, you know, to kind of bring this full circle, I just like, I believe there's churches and I, I pray to God that we're going to be one of them that I, they already exist and there's going to be more that rise up. And I think we're going to see even more fall away. We're watching it happen with one, one downfall after another and churches just failing. Um, there's going to be churches who allow the crushing of the seasons of COVID of cancel culture of all this stuff where we want to fight for our rights. We want to fight. And I'm not saying don't be involved in stuff. If anybody knows me, I'm actually like for go vote, go, you know, whatever, but we want to fight for our right to be right. And, and all of that. And really it's about let's fight for our relationship with him. Because if we're overflowing with him, this world can't help but be touched. And so there's going to be churches with oil. And I'm kind of stealing this from that guy, but I, I think that that's true. And oh, and this was the other thing. So they shared that, Steph and Michelle shared that, that 10 Virgins podcast. And then I saw Corey Russell um, yesterday had also posted it. So it was within 24 hours. We heard the same thing twice. He posted about the 10 Virgins and how we have to go after oil. And so I just want to encourage you, like I'm talking about churches, but also just personally, there are things ahead and nothing to be afraid of or anything like that. Um, but the lovers of God will be covered in oil. They'll allow, um, you need to, you need to find that place of oil in your calling. You need that. Don't live there. You need the oil of crushing. Uh, you can't live in crushing. And even that oil can't sustain you. It's got to then be poured back out on him. And in that, he releases the oil of intimacy. And that is where you walk in a room and people can tell you've been with Jesus. And I'll, I'll give this warning too. You can live out of that oil for a bit. You can actually live out of that place and smell like Jesus if you've ever been around somebody with essential oils or put on essential oils, it lasts, it'll fade over time, but it lasts for a while. And that smell, you can smell like him. You can smell like you've been around him. You can live out of the fumes of that oil for a period of time until it's done. And then you realize you have nothing. And so I just want to encourage the, the, you know, the, the question is how, how do we strike oil? We strike oil by being with him. He he longs, he longs to be with his bride. I I did this course on Holy Spirit throughout history um, by Layla Nahavandi, I think is how you pronounce her name. I'd love to have her on, on the podcast at some point. Um, she's incredible, and she teaches for Theos U. And she did one on tongues throughout history, which, by the way, tongues is throughout history. It's in the writings of uh, of church fathers throughout the last 2000 years, not just early church and, um, prophetic, all of it. It's pretty profound. This thing isn't new. Um, so if anybody who acts like it is anybody who acts like the charismatic Pentecostal expression is new, uh, they don't understand history and they don't know scripture. Holy spirit is still with us. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he is still empowering his bride. But the one thing that was so clear 
is that he just has so desperately wanted to be with us over and over and over again. We have taken something beautiful that he is doing and we begin to try to formalize it and make it into um, a lot of times something that uh, a lot of it has to do with money or power or those sorts of things. And you can see uh, very specifically the more formal something becomes uh, a, a movement of God the there was a a correlation and a decrease in the movement of holy spirit and i was just so broken listening to that just knowing like holy spirit you just so desperately want to be with us he so desperately wants to be in our lives he so desperately wants to be in our churches and our families and we um whether we've realized it or not have boxed him in both in our churches and our lives we lean into holy spirit moments when we need him uh, and he wants the whole thing. He wants to be in everything with us. And how do we strike oil? You build intimacy with him. And it's your prayers cannot all be about you. And, uh, you know, reading scripture, it's it's discovering him. It's it's longing to know him more. It's, it's Holy Spirit, teach me about Jesus. Help me see Jesus in the scriptures. Um, you know, that place... And just being willing to to worship and worship in ways that's uncomfortable to us, you know, and 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 going longer, uh, you know, not that's always about like I need six hours a day with God. That would be amazing. But I, you know, people, you have jobs and you have families and things like that. Um, but you can begin to bring your family and pull your family into that. If you have kids, um, you can you can find ways to do it in your job. You know, the seasons that were some of the sweetest seasons for me. I was working jobs I didn't like and felt like I was frustrated because I wished I had more time. But I would take time, you know, working jobs where I, I had to be upfront doing something, standing at a desk, whatever, and would take moments just to go to the bathroom for, you know, three minutes to just be like, Holy Spirit, I love you. Father, I love you. I love you so much. Come and be with me. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I just do that for a few minutes. And the way that God came and just would meet me in those seasons. So it's not a matter of how much time you have. You have more time than you think because we all scroll on our phones. We all waste a lot of time, Netflix and all that. But just throughout your day, keeping it. I heard Bill Johnson like keeps a timer I think on his watch or his phone that just goes off every so often and he just acknowledges Holy Spirit again like it's that kind of just I I just I want to keep you at the forefront of my mind and and as the focus of my mind that's how you begin to strike oil you strike oil by figuring out what you're called to do doing that thing you know whatever that looks like King David was anointed way before he was king but he started stepping into his kingly identity and walking in the anointing on him by worshiping in a cave and him worshiping in a cave, even though he wasn't on the throne, it drew people around him that he started to operate as a king, even though he wasn't sitting on the throne and it transformed his worship, transformed those men, these men who were in debt and broken and outcasts of society became mighty men. They became his mighty men even before he ever stepped into the office 
that his anointing was called for, he began to walk, walk in the anointing. So I'm prophesying to someone there, there is, you know, there is an anointing on your life that God is, he's trying to pull you into and you need to step into it, but you're waiting to step into it until you're given the office until it, it's a, a recognized position. And it's, I'm telling you, begin to step into it. He's, you steward that you steward the anointing of the calling that's on you. He will move you into where you need to be. He'll promote you. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of the Lord, and in due time, He will raise you up. I, I've seen that in my own life. I've I've seen that that I, I mean, it happened here. We I know that the I know the anointing of the calling on me, and I've lived in that anointing, and in that, people have been impacted. I've gotten to love people, made friends, got to pastor people, prophesy to people see people healed, all the stuff, even though I didn't have an official church position. That is, we have to steward, we have to learn to steward the call and the anointing. We have to go through the crushing. When those seasons come, when Holy Spirit's like, hey, let's deal with this hard thing in your heart. And it can look totally different than what I described. But in, in different seasons of crushing have looked totally different. But there are places of surrender where he begins to say, hey, this thing, I'm going to put my finger on it and I want to deal with it. And you can run away from it or you can lean into it. You lean into it, you will get oil and there will be a reward on the other end. And when you have oil, you have something that helps you uh, or that, that, that you can throw back on the king, that you can throw back on the feet of Jesus, that you can pour over his head, that you can... You can take something that was so costly to you, that was so painful, and turn it into worship that's that's poured out on him. And in that place, the oil that drips down him comes on you, the oil of heaven, the oil of that, that runs down Jesus' beard starts to cover you, and you start to smell like Jesus. And you smelling like Jesus will give you the oil you need for the journey you being in that place that close to him and you don't ever have to leave that that's the thing is he doesn't kick you out of that place we walk away from that place we get we get a little boil and we walk away but we can stay in that place to where all three of those can happen where you can know the oil of your calling and live in that you can allow God to put his finger on things that are painful and be willing to go through it and walk through it so that then you have an oil to pour right back on him right there and he pours oil on you and your path will be lit you'll know the next step uh and it'll be with him and it'll there'll be an ease ruth ward heflin would say there's an ease in the glory there's a you know that's that's living in the glory is in that place where you're you're just the oil is flowing there's an ease and i think many we're going to need that the world isn't isn't uh getting nicer uh, to Christians, there's there's insanity everywhere. I don't even need to get into that. I believe we're, great days are ahead. The church is uh, is going to be seen in her beauty and her might that He's equipped her with. But we have to, we need the oil. We need the ease that even even the um, even when the flies come, even when the arrows come, that everything just slips off us. You know, that we're, we're protected, that our faces shine with fresh oil. And that is what's going to draw people. They're going to come to us and say, hey, you know, 
why is it that you have peace when there is no peace? Why is it that you have joy when there is no joy? Why is it that you guys, uh, you guys are are happy and you're feasting when there's famine? And we're going to be able to say because we know the one, we know the one who drips with oil. Who? So, I think that's all I got to say. Um, guys, it's time to strike oil. Let's be let's be lovers and not prostitutes, and let's strike oil. I love you guys. Um, be please be praying for us in this journey with the church. Uh, we're in a dangerous area. We're both where we we moved to. We moved our family into a, a deeper into the city, um, and so there's there's danger in that way. And then also the downtown, the specific area we're in is it can be pretty dangerous. Um, there's a lot that we need. There's a lot of resource and stuff that we haven't we haven't figured out. But honestly, God is providing everything. Uh, he's been so good to us. So please pray for us. Uh, if you'd like to pray for us, you can go to firemovement.com and under Fire Seattle, um, if you scroll to the bottom, there's a part that has uh, prayer, and you can add, you can join and pray with us. And I have a, like very specific prayers that we're going after things as a community. We're focused in on some key things, and so if you're gonna pray pray for us, pre- please pray those with us. And uh, if you have a word from God or anything like that, please share it. Um, also, if this has impacted you, let me know. Let me know what you got out of this. You might you might get a piece of revelation that I need to hear because this is clearly something God's stirring in me. It's a message He's putting in my heart um, for me, and eventually will be for even more. Um, you know, and I wanted to share and just kind of open up with what God's with what I'm processing right now. So, anyways, until next time. This has been The Fire Podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Fire Podcast with Ryan Rhodes. Fire Movement has a mission to bring people face-to-face with the real Jesus. If you love this show and ministry, please consider subscribing, leaving a five-star rating, and most importantly, sharing the podcast with others on social media. Also, would you please consider one-time or monthly support? to help us sustain and grow this show so that others can be stirred to hunger for more of the real Jesus? You can do so by going to firemovement.com support, Venmo at firemovement, or cash app dollar sign firemovement. Thank you.